0: Hello everyone and welcome to Daily Newspaper Analysis, which is brought to you by Co. So today we will discuss two articles. The first one is from the Hindu newspaper, which is titled as Prioritizing School Reopening on the Road to Recovery. This talks about the very important topic that is of the education. And as we know that due to the COVID pandemic, since the last year, March 2020, the schools have shut down and the entire system of education has been shifted to the online mode So what have been the repercussions of this and what can be the possible steps that we can take during the recovery of the COVID-19 have been discussed in this article. The second one is from the Indian Express which is titled as, need to put systems in place. So this talks about the online space or the IT rules that are there in so much of questions specifically if we talk about the WhatsApp privacy laws. So what are they and what can the government possibly do have been discussed in this article. So this newspaper analysis is presented by me. My name is Sheva Khan. I am a BALLB law graduate and I had completed my BALLB degree from Uttaranchal University in the year 2019. I have been the batch gold medalist and here at Lawsico, I'm working as manager for current affairs vertical. If you wish to connect with me, you can find me on my Twitter as well as LinkedIn handles. The links to both are available in the description box below on this note let's start our discussion for the first article of the day which talks about prioritizing school reopening so this article says that whereas most schools in India have been closed since March 2020, as this was the time last year when the first ever lockdown was proclaimed due to COVID 19. So, many regions around the world, which were worst hit, you know, as compared to India, they were worst hit by the pandemic, have kept their schools, especially primary schools, open. Now, here a contrast has been drawn in the article that where India at one side, you know, for more than a year now, it has had its schools closed due to the lockdown, which was proclaimed in March 2020 last year. But still there are examples of some countries that were hit even at a worse scale as compared to India, but still they still they chose to keep their schools and specifically their primary schools open. And that is why it needs to be discussed from our point of view as well, that how much now is it feasible to open or to still keep the schools closed? So let's understand about the impact of school closure and the concerns attached with it here we need to understand the point that at one side where the proper normal schooling system was closed due to the lockdown and the pandemic on the other side the entire education system shifted dramatically towards the online education now keeping in mind the status or the digital divide that we had 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 in the country do you think that the Every individual or every student of the country was able to avail the online education just the way he was able to avail school education? Well, of course not. See, when we talk about the education system in India or the right to education under Article 21a, yes, of course, it is available to every child in the age of 6 to 14 years and it is a fundamental right. But also, this is unfortunate, but yet this is the truth that a lot of students, a lot of children in India still are not able to avail this basic minimum right of the education as well. Now just consider that already the situation was very not, not very good and now what has become the problem is that that very education system has moved to the online system which has further deteriorated the system. So here, people make considerable investments in children's education. Yes, of course, that's the truth. And even prior to the pandemic, there was a huge gap, as we were just discussing. So there was a huge gap across the students. So bottom half, passing class 10th, are about two years behind in terms of skills. So can you understand that, let's say, for example, that on an average, a student who is passing 10th standard should be approximately 15 years of age. So, yes. Normally, biologically, his age is 15 years, probably it would be. But if we talk about the skill set, so he does not even have a skill set of a 13 or 14 year old child. And that is why if we talk about the practical learning or the practical education, then of course, our students lag badly behind in it. Now, you must be thinking about the National Education Policy 2020, which was, you know, a very big policy which came up and definitely it had a lot of hopes that it gave to the Indian education system. But yet again, the problem or the issue would remain the same, which is of the implementation. Just like the national education policy, we have the right to education under Article 21A as well. But how much are we able to implement it in the real sense or in the practical sense, that would create the whole of the difference. So if you talk about the survey which took across 10 states in November 2020, so nearly two-thirds children in rural India may drop out of school because of this shift in the schooling system and moving towards the online education. Haryana reported a 42% drop in student enrollment in the private schools. And it was a setback for campaign against child labor or child marriages. Now, one thing that we need to understand here is that all the problems, mostly all the problems that are associated with children. Now, let it be the problem of child labor, be it the problem of child marriages, or even be the problem of under or malnutrition amongst the children. One solution that could be seen in all these problems was educating the children. Now, how do you think that would happen? See, if a child is engaged into productive or it would in a proactive system of learning, definitely the parents would not want to send the children. Yes, of course, it has to be backed with their economic growth as well. But at the same time, when the child is engaged in studies, then there are lesser chances that the child would move for any kind of labor as well. Also, when children, specifically here if we talk about the female children or the girl students, if they are engaged into the system of education, there are less likely of the chances that they would be forced into child marriages. And on the same page, when we talk about the nutrition, the problem of malnutrition or undernutrition amongst the children, then schemes like midday meal have helped students not only to come to the school, but also to incentivize them to give them good nutrition and good food as well if they are agreeing to come to school and attain education just the way we were just discussing that the midday meals, they have actually been disrupted now because obviously, midday meals were possible when children were actually moving physically to the schools and during their lunch hour, they were given highly nutritious meals. But now, because of the closure of the schools, these midday meal schemes have been disrupted and now we have greater number of underweighing and wasted children in the country. So if we talk about the risk that is pertaining, so the risk of COVID-19 in children is much lower than for adults. Now, as we know that even at least during the first wave, even the youngsters were not being uh, that badly affected by COVID-19, but only the people above 40 or 50 years of age. But yes, of course, after the second wave, this has come up to the youngsters as well. But still, if we talk about the system for children, so the risk of COVID-19 is still much lower than that for adults as in compared to children. So here, is if we study the case study of Sweden, so no child death has occurred due to COVID nineteen so far. And if we talk about Mumbai, the COVID nineteen IFR, which is the infection fatality rate, which means that what number of people are actually dying because of the infection for under 19 is minus point zero zero three percent. Now How miniscule is that? I'm sure you will be able to understand. So, it is minus 0.003% as compared to infant mortality rate in India of 3% and in Japan of 0.18%, which is lowest. So, if we consider infant mortality rate, which definitely would have various reasons, be it the malnutrition, improper handling at the time of delivery or a lot of other reasons, even the deaths of children due to that infant mortality rate is higher as compared to COVID-19. So, definitely we can look forward to reopening the schools as the infection rate in children is quite lower as compared to the adults. So the article also suggests some steps that are needed in this direction. So to treat the teachers as essential staff and prioritised vaccination. So just in the current situation, as we know that when the vaccination drives are being carried out, so the doctors, the nurses, policemen and all, they are considered to be as the frontline fighters or the frontline workers. And that is why, meanwhile, this uh, vaccine administration is going on. They are being prioritised above the other population that we need to understand that they need to be vaccinated first. Similarly, the article proposes that just like the policemen, doctors, nurses, etc. The teachers should also be treated as essential staff and they also should be prioritized to be vaccinated in the uh, front row uh, vaccination system. And also we should make evidence-based decisions towards school opening and not just because we have a general lockdown we should be closing down the schools now as well and definitely we should do an evidence-based study which means just like as we studied that the rate of COVID-19 fatality or infection is lower in the children, very very lower as compared to adults so we should use these facts and data to take a very wise and prudent decision. With this, let's move to the second article of the day, which talks about regulating online space. So recently, as we know that WhatsApp and Twitter have had a tussle with the government over the new IT rules. So what is, let's understand that what is actually going on and how or in what way do we want to regulate the online space? So basically, the government is trying to take away the safe harbor provided to the online platforms as an intermediary. Now, these are various geopolitical reasons as well. Now, as we know, if we talk about the WhatsApp or even if we talk about, you know, other like Facebook and other uh, uh, intermediaries as well. So currently, they were given a status of intermediary, which means like, for example, I am a user of WhatsApp or I am a user of Facebook and I want to put forward any of my opinions to the general public or to any ministry of the government, to any leader of the government, be it anyone, okay? So what do I do is that I use the medium of WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, or any of these social media platforms to disseminate or to put forward my opinions about some third party. Now in this entire process, this platform, this social media platform, be it the WhatsApp, Twitter, Facebook, or anything, what role it used to play currently was of an intermediary, right? Let me give you a very simple or general example. I I'm in a grudge with some XYZ person. I do not like that person. So what do I do is that I use my SIM card. I use my phone, my mobile phone. I call that particular person and I abuse that person. So what happened was that I expressed my feelings to that third person using my mobile phone. Now, do you think that here this mobile phone would have anything to do with it? Or like if I'm using a Gio SIM or an Atal SIM, will the people concerned with Geo and Airtel will have anything to do with the, this abusing that I, uh, you know, did to the person? No, of course not, because this was an intermediary. This was a channel that I used to express my feelings. So similarly, these uh, platforms like WhatsApp and Twitter, they were, till now, given the uh, platform or they were given the status of an intermediary. And that is why it was considered to be as a safe harbor harbor, or a safe heaven for them, because whatever people used to do or say, these platforms were not considered, you know, any way responsible for whatever was happening. But now, after these IT rules, if at all something grievous happens or something like this happens, then they also will have to take the responsibility uh, to, you know, uh, to make sure that such people do not use their accounts. And if they do, then their accounts are properly put down and also actions are taken against them. A very good example of this can be seen, guys, that during the time, uh, now even recently also, but now, of course, WhatsApp had taken steps in this direction. What was happening was that now if you notice, if you wish to forward a particular news, item or any kind of message to peep anyone on WhatsApp so it has a maximum limit of five so at one time you can forward one particular message or item or data to five people only but earlier there was no whatsoever control or no specific number or maximum number to this due to which what happened was that it was very easy for the people to just select a message and forward it to all or select a message or just you know send it to 50, 100, 500 people at once but What happened was that due to this leverage which was available with the help of WhatsApp, a lot of cases of misinformation specifically leading to mob lynching cases came forward. And it was seen that it became so easy for the people to form groups of 500,000 and 2,000 people and to just disseminate any kind of fake news without any verification. And that is why WhatsApp was held liable for this and it was said that you as an intermediary also should be responsible enough and you should make sure that no any misinformation can be carried out so easily on your platform. And similarly. This has happened, now more stringent laws have been brought with WhatsApp and Twitter. And if you consider about the other countries, so in case of Europe, it is in process of debating a new digital services act and digital market. And similar laws are also available in Germany to put restraints on or limitations on such a safe harbor of the social media platforms. So if we talk about the liability of the social media companies, so as per section 79 of the Information and Technology Act 2000, they are not liable for third party conduct or using services that they provide, unless, all right, so there is some kind of, you know, provides over here, unless they are editing the content not airing or abetting an unlawful activity or they have knowledge received by government or court order to take down comment or restrict it. So, if we talk, the government has asked any particular social media platform to take down any particular comment, to take down any particular information, then that social media platform has to abide by it and if it doesn't, then it will be definitely liable for its uh, you know, um, uh, misconduct or for its you know, not taking actions in the right time. And that is why they have to exercise due diligence and have to abide by the guidelines issued by the government. So if you talk about the data protection and privacy system in the country, there are two aspects of the privacy judgment. Firstly, the protection against the state and secondly, the state is not supposed to breach privacy in a manner unless it's fair, just and reasonable. Now, guys, as you know that after the very, very landmark or very important judgment of KS put to vs Union of India, wherein Article uh, 21 also was given the power to include within itself right to privacy as a fundamental right. So, that is why it has become very important for the state to make sure that we, you know, are being protected of our privacy firstly against the state and secondly that the state shall not breach our privacy in any manner if at all, it is just unreasonable. reasonable. So of course, if it is for the national security, for the you know safety and security of the country at large, then definitely our privacy might be hindered because of course we know that the fundamental rights also are not absolute in nature, right? So if at all they fall under any of the reasonable restrictions under Article 19 clause 2, then definitely it could be taken away, it might be taken away, but otherwise we very much have the right to protect our privacy against the state. if we talk about the data protection bill so it is still yes of course it is still a bill and in india currently even till now when we at one side, we talk about you know having Digital India and digitizing the entire system of working, but still we do not have a Data Protection Act in hand, though the bill is still under consideration. So, it allows the user to decide what to do with the data and basically it is the data fiduciary as in the user will be the one who will decide as to what has to be done with his data and ob- uh, obviously it ha- he also has the right to ask for correction and right to be forgotten. So, just like this right is given to the people in the European Union, right to be forgotten means that, for example, a particular Website has your information, maybe your phone number, your name, your address. Like for example, you order something from Amazon, so it has your default address set, right? You it has your mail ID and everything. So if at all if this data protection law is brought into India, so we as users will also have the right to be forgotten, which means that we can command that particular website or company to forget or to you know delete our data, whatever they have in their hands. So let's see that what do we have in the future coming up for the regulation of online space in the country. So this was all for the day we hope it was a good and informative session for you all if you liked it do give it a thumbs up and thank you so much for joining in also do not forget to subscribe to our channel for never missing an update in the future thank you so much